This is LBC from Global, leading Britain's conversation. The best of Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. I hope your weekend has started well. I'm with you for the next couple of hours to ease you gently into your Saturday morning. In an hour's time, I'll be in conversation and I'll be telling you who I'll be talking to this week a little bit later on. Before that, I'll give you a chance to catch up on some of the best bits from the 4am spike this week. What do you mean you missed some of the programme? I expect a note from your parents or your doctor at the very least. So over the next hour, the best of Steve Allen. You'll hear what grabbed my attention over the past week from the massive stories we've all been reading and talking about to the barely Z-listers that we have to Google just to remember who they even are. Don't bother please texting, tweeting or emailing me about what you're having for breakfast because I don't care or what your favourite biscuit is. I couldn't care less at the best of times anyway. I'm Steve Allen and I'm with you until 7 o'clock this Saturday morning. So sit back, open your ears and enjoy the conversation. They were doing a thing the other day, honestly. They always say the same, an ideal world. It's now becoming really repetitive. They start selling, so they go, really, stocks, we think, well, I mean, if, if it even makes it to one o'clock today, stocks will probably be sold out, I think. What a load of old cobblers, honestly. It really is the biggest pile of rubbish. And then they were selling electric bikes the other day. And they always go, listen, if, if you don't get in now, they're all going to go. I thought, well, make some more then. Stop faffing around like a pair of old ninnies. Oh, it was dreadful the other day. And if you notice, their electric bikes have gone up in price. We're now up to 900 quid. Whereas the other week, they were sort of about five to 600 quid. Now they've sort of changed them and they've got other things. But they always say the same thing. Stock is limited. 40% has gone already. Well, that means 60% is left, doesn't it? And then they'll try and flog you some... Do you know, I nearly bought a watch the other day. I nearly bought a watch. I walked past a jeweller's shop. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a watch person. I've, I have a watch. It's nothing, nothing particularly special. But I saw this one. I went, oh, I like the look of that. It's a nice, chunky, solid watch. And it's um, whatever make my one is. It's the same. I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, it's, it's, it's a nice way. 1,700 quid. And I, sit, and I thought about it. I went home and I thought, perhaps that, perhaps that could be my little treat for, for living 40 years on LBC. It could, and then I thought, no. And then I thought, Seven, can I justify 1700 I mean, it's obviously going to be tax deductible. And, and I'm thinking, I could, I could buy it. And then I thought, no. And I, and I can't remember now, well, I, I, no, I really can't remember, whether or not I've convinced myself to buy the blooming thing or I've not. And I think it's, it's going to be not. Because I can't justify £1,700 on a watch. Seeing as I've always criticised people who buy Rolexes at £9,000, £10,000, £20,000, £100,000. I mean, some of these watches... These Patek Philippe things, they get, they're serious money. It makes mine look a bit cheap, but it, it's just, it looked so nice. It really, it really did look nice. And I thought, but I just can't justify it. I can't, I need to win the lottery to go and buy it. And even then, I probably wouldn't buy it. But I did like the look of it. I did look at it and I think, oh, that'd be quite nice. Uh, I didn't buy any junk off Ideal World. No, I've got to go to Hochanda today to buy some glue. They sell some very good um, uh, glue. You get two two bottles in a squirty thing and all the rest of it. It's about nine ninety nine. It's very good glue, but uh, it's this constant thing. They all do the same thing on Ideal World. There was a oh stock is limited. You know more than fifteen percent of stock has gone already. You go well, so what? They do it in clothing and everything. It's 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 becoming a bit of a stock line for them. The most I spent on a watch, says Steve, was six hundred quid. In Costco, I saw a jewellery necklace last week for 150000 How on earth could you ever pay for it? Oh, people do? Well, listen, people do. 
Seriously, I mean, I'm always amazed as well. Graham says, buy the watch. I can't. I can't. I can't, I can't justify... I'd feel so guilty. I'd, I'd wear it out and then somebody say... Because I tell you who's really into watches. Nick Ferrari's really into watches. He loves what. I remember him seeing my watch. And he said, oh, that's nice. Which one's that? And I, I showed him. And, uh, and I said, I've, I've had it for ages and ages. Uh, Janice says, everybody deserves a nice watch. Yeah, but it's 1,700 quid. I can't justify 1,700... <laughs> Scottish boy. <laughs> what, what, what sort of watch have you got? You've got... What's, a, a sports watch. It's a what? A sleep? It's a Withings watch. What's that mean? Oh, right. A sleep tracker. What do you mean a sleep tracker? What's that mean? Oh, right. Well, do, do you not know that when you wake up and go, I went to bed at five. It's now ten. I've had five hours. Well, how does it know? How does it know? That's just ridiculous. Don't be so ridiculous. It doesn't know whether you've had a deep sleep or a thing. Let's talk... Oh, Tom Swarbrick, oh, Tom Swarbrick, oh, well, he would have. He would have, definitely. I, I can see that. Oh, oh, there's a graph. Oh, don't, no, 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 please, please don't. Please do not show. No, do not. If you put anything up on this screen, I'm going to have curtains built in here so uh, I don't have to see you. Will, Will Guyatt. And uh, Warren says, you paid what for a car and you're worried about a watch? <laughs> Warren wants a Rolex. It's 9,000. I'm getting it. Mind made up. And Will Will Guyatt says, what's the best thing you've ever bought from the shopping channels? Glue. Glue from her chanda. It's really, really good glue. Really good. Little bottle. I've used it for a million and one things. I had a bit of trim that uh, sort of came off the car and I just put a little, little drop of this glue on there. I've seen them demonstrating it online. It's really good. I forget what it's called. Glue. Just typing glue on her chanda. I think it's I think it's still available there. It's very good actually, very good. Uh, Pat in Brentwood says my husband just spent four thousand on a on a watch. I can't do it. I couldn't justify that. I really couldn't. I'm a radio presenter. Why do I? In fact, I haven't worn my watch for ages. It's a Raymond Vile watch. But uh, I mean, it, it's a nice watch. This thing. In fact, it might even be up on the internet. Do they have a catalogue of Raymond Vile watches? 1,700 quid, this one. It's, well, 1,726 or something. It just seems a huge... I mean, it's I've, I've saved up my money because I paid my tax, and so I've got my tax money ready for the next time round. I thought, that's a little bit of a treat. I thought, God, it's a bit of a treat, isn't it? But then somebody said to me, you can have a... Uh, it's gold. All I'll tell you is it's gold. Colour. So here we go. Have a look. Has it got prices on them? Typical, isn't it? Typical. Oh, that was... Go down, go down, go down. Down, that one there looks a bit like that. That's it. No, the, the one in the middle. It's a bit like that, but it's a bit more blingy than that one. So it doesn't say... So that's quite nice, isn't it? Parsifal. I can't justify the price for it. I really can't. Look at that. Very pretty, isn't it? Blue lacquer and all the rest of it. It, it does look very nice. Well, where's the blooming price? Why don't they put prices on things? It's so annoying. I hate it when they don't put prices on. If you have to ask, you can't afford it. I know. That was the old thing, wasn't it, years ago? And I was thinking, but I might be able to afford it. I know what's going to happen. I'm going to phone my, phone my bank manager up and say, I've decided to buy this watch. And she's going to go, what for? You've got a watch. He has one that tells him whether he's in a deep sleep. I can tell him now. He's in a deep sleep. You know, that's how it works. What was the other thing you've got? The other thing? Ooh, cough down the microphone when you talk to me. It, track swimming. You don't do swimming or running. What are you on about? When? 
You go swimming. Listen, having a bath is not tantamount to having a swim. Goodness sake, honestly. So he said, oh, and this thing tells me probably whether I'm swimming or not. It's obviously a very, very clever watch, isn't it? What a waste of time and money. Why don't you just sort of have somebody, ask your girlfriend, she'll tell you whether you're swimming or in a deep sleep. You know, that's it. So, was I in a deep sleep? No. <laughs> I mean, how much did you spend on that watch? Was it very expensive? Was it, uh, was it a Christmas present? Okay, how much was it? Because you must have checked out the price. Oh, you, of course you did. Everybody checks out the price of things. Somebody sees something, they go, oh, I'll just check online and see what that is. I spoke to somebody the other day. They, they were given something as a present. They had it valued in two minutes. You must have a rough idea. Uh, Steph says, I've got a new watch. It doesn't tell you the time. You've got to, to look at it. <laughs> Paul says, you should definitely buy the watch. If it's a good make, it'll last you for life. Bought my Breitling watch 15 years ago. Put it on every morning and it feels and looks great. Buy it for you. Go on, treat yourself. Although maybe LBC with buy it, will buy it for you for your 40th. I don't think they're going to run that much. I've got champagne, but I don't, I don't think they're going to run to a watch. It could, be, it could be a treat, but then uh, to me that seems an awful... I was brought up, you know, to sort of not expect anything like that. <laughs> uh, what else could you spend that money on, Steve? 1,700, 9,000 or 17 quid. They all tell the time. I know. You're right. That's all it, it tells the time. That's why I can't quite justify. And also, I think, it makes you a target. People see it and they go, that looks a nice watch. So maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, could the watch be tax deductible, says Rod? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Sure. Um, go on, buy it, says Jane. You ready? go on holiday. Look at you, honestly. You're all terrible. Go on, buy the watch, by the way. It's 1,700, 1,790 quid or whatever it is. I'll take a picture of it today. I'll, I'll, I'll go and take a picture of it. I might then change my mind and go, well, I'd better buy it just in case. No, I don't know. I mustn't. I must. It's a total waste of time. Total waste of time. I've got a watch. Uh, Lee uh, says, oh, uh, oh, Lisa Spiker from Guildford says, Steve, you've got one life. Buy it. <laughs> I can't justify it. Would, would you buy it, Chris? You wouldn't. Oh, no. You'd buy it. I know you'd buy it. You'd a Scottish boy buy it. Like a, like a shot. You're too. Fr I know. I'm also becoming a bit frugal. Well, not becoming frugal. I've always been a bit frugal. But he'd buy, he'd buy, like a, like a shot. If he had the money burning a hole in his pot, he'd be in there straight away. Cash? How much you give me for discount? Be like that. Your watch was less than 200 quid. Well, my Raymond Vial, I paid 800. But that was donkeys years ago. It's still 800 pounds. I don't think it's changed, actually. Ages and ages ago. And I, 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 I wear it a lot, but I've not worn one for ages. And you know why? Because I've got the, the, um, the time on my, on my phone. Says here six thirty nine, so we're doing really well. <laughs> I might go and have another look at it today. I might have another look at it. No, I can't justify it. That's ridiculous. That is so ridiculous. I love the one here, Steve. I was given a free watch with a GPS tracker. It was given to me by the police. I wear it on my ankle. So cool, uh, Steve. I've heard that Mickey Mouse has got a Steve Allen watch. I used to have. I've got. I've got a few. I've still got my father's watch. Uh, which is uh, nothing. It's just it's a square watch, which I quite like. This this latest one is a round one, but I'm not justifying. I kind of get there and I go, and then you think, that's a lot of money. It's too much money. Too much money. Even if I'm treating myself to 40 years in the business, that might need a little bit more uh, 
a little bit more cajoling. Leading Britain's conversation, the best of Steve Allen on LBC. The reality is that celebrities, even third-rate no-hopers, uh, will do anything to be on television. They'll herd sheep, they'll ski jump, they'll take all their clothes off, sit in a bar. Years ago, they were sitting in a bar, a bath of baked beans. Nowadays, they'll, they'll go on ridiculous dating programmes, which we know are fake, because none of these people... I mean, Kerry Coke-Toner never actually needed to find a date. She was too addicted to talking about herself, which is a little bit worrying. Uh, then they've got... Uh, oh, there was Brian... Do you remember Brian McFadden, who's doing the dishes? If ever there was a cheap piece of trash television, that would be it. And they had a celebrity, but the trouble is we didn't know any of the celebrities were. Then they've had a farming programme. We had uh, Stan Collymore. Oh, what are you famous for, Stan? Oh, yes, I've just remembered, of course. Uh, painting. They had Phil, Phil Tufnell on there, Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen, Jane Seymour. I don't know what these people are doing on... Some of them are very good, actually which means they might as well just sort of paint pictures. Uh, also, sewing. Now, we're going to be talking about this today, the great British sewing bee. And uh, people go on... No, I, I can't sew. They make, they make automatic sewing machines now. You just put the material in and it, it does everything. It does buttonholes. It does all sorts. They keep advertising them on the television. I used to think at one time, perhaps I should buy it. Perhaps I should get a sewing machine. And I thought, what for? Uh, we didn't do sewing at school, no. The only thing we did at school, we did a... We had, a like, a placemat and we wove wool in and out to make some, like, um, I forget what they call them now. There's, there's a name. They used to do them years and years ago. They would have the name of all the children and a church and something like that, and they were from the sort of the 1800s. Some were even earlier than that. We just made like a plate. Why we did it? I've got no idea. First of all, take your needle. We used to make stained glass windows. Not stained glass windows. Ours were the cheaper version, which was a big bit of sort of thick card, and you'd cut various things out, then you'd stick coloured cellophane behind it. And put it up with the window. I mean, to be honest with you, I derived great pleasure out of it because it was quite fun. So you could make your own stained glass window. And I've always liked stained glass window, but only in churches. Uh, Gogglebox uh, was sort of born. So we had sort of Danny Dyer and Danny Dyer, the two Dannys. Um, and uh, so watching University Challenge. Also singing. They had Martin Lewis on there. This was in Celebs All-Star Musicals. Uh, shepherding. Gabby Logan's catchphrase of release the sheep. On that one, they had Brendan Cole and Wendy Peters. I mean, it, it really does scrape the barrels. Winter Sports, Melinda Messenger, Ola Jordan, Linford Christian, Beth Tweddle. There's that bone-breaking series that we enjoyed so much. Uh, also, uh, the serial offenders who just can't get enough. In other words, they just oh yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it, because you know it's going to finish shortly. Uh, Gemma Collins, She's done Dancing on Ice, I'm a Celebrity, Celebrity Masterchef, Celebs Go Dating. I think she did Splash as well. I'm sure she did that. Debbie McGee has done Strictly Celebrity, Carry On, Barging, The Farm, Celebrity Masterchef and a few others. Rebecca Luce did David Beck. Sorry. Oh, such a good joke. Uh, the Farm, Extreme Celebrity Detox. Somebody called Isle Booker. Never heard of them. No idea. Celebs Go Dating, Celebs on a Ranch. It's the latest pile of rubbish. That's got uh, Louis Spence on there arguing with people, as indeed he does. Georgia Steele, celebs go dating, celebs on a ranch. So only two under her belt at the moment. Spencer Matthews, poor old Spencer, honestly. Good education, Spencer. And you turn out to be so D-list. So D-list. The Jump, I'm a celebrity, celebrity master chef. Roxanne Pallet, let's not even bother talking about her nasty little piece of work. Brian McFadden, Dancing on Ice, Who's Doing the Dishes and the Jump. It's finished, hasn't it, really? His album peaked. It only sold 600 copies or something. Wendy Peters, Flock Stars. I think that must be to do with the, the shepherding thing. I'm pretty certain. Uh, Great British Sewing Bee. James Jordan, 
Nasty piece of work. Celebrity coach trip, dancing on ice and just anything else that bores the pants off us. Linda Robson's done. Uh, I'm a celebrity, celebrity master chef and gone to pot. And I think I'm trying to remember what the gone to... It's something to do with drugs, isn't it? It's a sploff programme. I'm pretty certain that they all went sploffing. And then they filmed it, didn't they, afterwards? I have to be honest, I, I didn't really see the point of that one at all. But there again, I don't. I mean, it's just blatant drug taking. They had uh, Christopher Biggins, Pam St. Uh, St. Clement as well. So I, I'd, I'd be frightened. I'd be talking about all sorts of rubbish if it went on something like that. Can you imagine? Steve Allen does sploffs. It's not going to work, is it, really? Um, uh, the carry-on barging one uh, was going through the Kennet and Avon Canal. Oh, we know who'll know all about that one, won't we? Uh, passing through 29 locks for the Channel 5 show. It's got Nigel Havers, Simon Callow, Lorraine Chase and Debbie McGee. Actually, you've got Simon Callow, not Simon Callow, you've got um, Nigel Havers coming up in a programme about what goes on behind first class on an aeroplane. And he's on there with that um, Sally Lindsay from Coronation Street. She's popped up on loads of programmes. She's a good friend with um, Peter Kay. I think she's sort of popped up on on a lot of his uh, programmes as well. Kevin the Milkman says Gemma Collins did do Splash, Steve. They renamed it Tidal Wave for that series. <laughs> and uh, Steve, I seem to remember on another reality show, they got a group of gormless people that were told they're going into space when really they were in an aircraft hangar. Oh, my favourite is the lift. My favourite is the fake lift on YouTube. You've got to watch it. It's They, they go into an office, which is in a building. And the woman says, oh, you need to go up to so-and-so floor. So they get into this lift. They push the button. And the lift starts going up. What they don't know is that behind, at the back of the lift, is a screen which is showing the floors going up. Then all of a sudden, you know, bing, 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 bing. The numbers start rolling round and the lift increases in speed. And they, they go, no, no, until in the end it bursts through the top of the building. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. You watch people sobbing on the floor. I mean, we shouldn't really laugh at other people's misfortune, but frankly, every time I see Gemma Collins, I do a little chuckle to myself. And so, and these people, it's, I, I don't know if it's called fake lift or whatever it is, it's, it's very funny. You should, only the Americans could think of that. That's like the bait car. The bait car where they rig a car up and they deliberately entice uh, lowlifes to steal, steal it. And then... They sort of, they, they just track it. And they're all sitting in the car. Yeah, we've got a car. We've got... They had some, some kids in there the other day. And uh, they were 17. They didn't have driving license. They just stole the car because it had keys in it. And they were driving down the road. And one went, oh, man, we got the cops behind us. And the cops, of course, pull them in. By this time, they've shut the car off. They can't get out the doors. And the cops have got guns drawn. Get out the car. Get out the car. Well, you've never seen people wet themselves so fast. It was brilliant. Leading Britain's conversation. The best of Steve Allen on LBC. Gemma Collins has vowed to save Brexit. And she could save herself. But, uh, she labelled the EU negotiations as boring and then claimed she could sort it out in an hour. That's how thick she is. That's how thick she is. That's how embarrassing it is, really. Uh, in a plea to the Prime Minister, she urged Mrs May to lead our country and go for it. I mean, really, she's that dim. She's that dim. But uh, anyway, she revealed she's going into music. Uh, she claimed to have an album coming out, but refused to explain any more than that. Joke of the century. Listen, the person who's guiding her, I believe, there's something called Naughty Boy or something. Whatever, I don't know. Another one of these peculiar people with... So what's your name? Eric. OK, fine. And what do you want to call yourself? Call yourself Naughty Boy. OK, great. And Brian McFadden, who couldn't shift his own albums. Why he thinks he could shift... What's she going to do? Dance on... T I mean, it's just pathetic. 
But I suppose you've got to capitalise on it before she just explodes. Uh, Ron says the GC sorting out the EU would be like putting Mr Bean in charge. Oh, she looked like she spent more time putting her makeup and clothes on than engaging her brain, which was the trouble. And uh, this joke tickled me. Arge asked Gemma, why did you fail your driving test? Gemma said she was asked what signs you see whilst driving down a narrow country lane. Her answer, fresh eggs for sale. It's a good one, isn't it? Good one. The best of Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Here's some more of what caught my attention this week. Come on, Facebook Spikers group, says Jane. Let's start a GoFund Steve's watch. <laughs> please, please don't. Please don't. Sandy says, uh, hubby bought me a Rolex for Christmas two years back. Don't really wear it. Too ostentatious. I mainly wear my Apple watch. Well, the producer's got one that tells him when he's in a bath or when he's in a swimming pool. I mean, it's really pretentious rubbish or what? Well, he's got the other one on his ankle, but the, he's got the one that he wears on his wrist. You know, have you had a deep sleep? Why would you want to wake up and go, what if I had a deep sleep or just a light? Who cares? Who cares? Sawbridge, is he obsessed? Well, we know he's obsessed, but I mean, is, is he obsessed about his... Is that, that is really bizarre. Why would you want to know whether you've had a deep sleep or a light? Who It doesn't... Oh, I've got, oh, I've got six hours sleep and all that. Who cares? You just, you go to bed, you sleep, doesn't matter whether it's deep or whatever else, you know, would be with chloroform, of course, fairly deep. And um, and then you and then you wake up, and you go, oh, I feel completely different because I've had a deep sleep. The watch told me so. Who cares? It's not important. It's not important. It's really not important. There are bigger things in heaven and earth that you need to worry about more than, you know, oh, whether have I had a deep sleep or a light sleep? Put it this way, to us, you've been in every day. You look exactly the same. You haven't improved or anything like that. You just look exactly the same. So I'm assuming that some of these days must have been a deep sleep and some were a light sleep. Well, we've not noticed any difference. So what's the point of having it? It's just ridiculous. It's just a, another faddy thing to have, isn't it? Oh, I've got this. My parents bought me this because I could tell if I've been doing lengths in the, in the swimming pool, you know, swimming on my back or on my stomach and all the rest. Who cares? Paul has, has sent this... 20 line thing and all it says is by the watch 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 getting louder and louder and louder i can't do it you know what'll happen i'll buy it and i'll come and i'll go i bought the watch and i'll get so much abuse from people why would you waste 1700 pound on a watch but i mean because i've never asked people before about how much they've spent on their watches scottish boys a couple of hundred quid probably or something like that it just tells you when they're in a deep sleep. Listen, give me a couple of hundred quid. I'll phone you up every morning and go, deep sleep. You know, that'll, and that, it's the same thing. It's, it's exactly, oh, God, honestly. Have you worn it in Scotland then? Probably a bit of a novelty up there, isn't it? Somebody's actually got a wristwatch. <sighs> See you, Jimmy. Oh, look, wristwatch, look. Tells me whether I'm in a deep sleep or not. <laughs> They've got all these things. like when I looked at a watch the other day, it was a very expensive watch, and it had all sorts of things on. You know, you can tell, tell the... On what, on what the temperature is in Kuala Lumpur, you know, and, and how, how high you can jump. and All these are rubbish things. I don't need it. Richard says, why not spend the 1700 on a holiday and then you can attend the World Nudist Leapfrog Championships in Las Vegas? <clears throat> Thank you. I am founder and president of the over 35 Nudist Leapfrog team, which is lovely. Uh, Sean in Bromley says, I've got a great deal on an or a Keeley watch in a pawn shop in Bootle. You never know. Oh, and I'm looking forward to seeing your pal Biggins in Panto in Bromley. We were waiting for years. He's worth it. He's absolutely, he's a super, 
Super person, he really is. And Angela says, Steve, it's only a watch. You'd only tell us the time. Have Botox. Well worth it. See? But I really thought you'd all go completely against that idea of uh, uh, buying a watch. I would love to go for Botox. I've been threatened by my bank manager. If I have Botox done, she'll close the account. And I know she will. She's very vindictive. <laughs> Steve, can you get a decent watch for 1700 It's only a cheapo. I didn't say it was expensive. I just said I don't need it. Steve, buy the watch and sleep monitoring is actually quite good. Deep sleep phase is interlaced with light. Shut up. With light sleep periods. Okay, I'm a bit of a nerd, says Monica. Well, join the club. I've got another one in here for you. He's a complete nerd. That's not what they call him around here, but, I mean, he's, he's definitely nerdy. Oh, it tells you when you're swimming, Steve. It tells you, you know, when you're on your back or on your tummy and doing... Do you do breaststroke or crawl or backstroke? What, what do you do? Oh, you do all of them. Oh, how exciting. Such a creep. Such a creep. You do what? Butterfly. I bet you don't do butterfly. You don't. Honestly, you're such a fibber. You don't do butterfly. Listen, the amount, the lack of... Oh, doesn't matter. Can't be bothered to argue the toss. Definitely not. Uh, Steve, if you spend £1,700, says Lisa, on a holiday, you could buy a nice watch in duty-free, possibly cheaper than, than the shops. <laughs> this watch is going to be the bane of my life, isn't it? This is the best of Steve Allen on LBC. You'll love this. Have you seen The Guardian today? Yes. Yes. It's a picture of James O'Brien... That'll be retouched. And uh, it says how he's turned the talk show on its head. And it's it's a, a piece in uh, in G2. And it's and it's it's got look, there's pictures of him everywhere, seriously. It is a scary picture, that one. It's in black and white. It's moody. I feel sorry for his producer today. She's gonna she's gonna have to relive this article three million times. <laughs> and it's and it, it's basically got a picture. It's it's plugging his his book, I think, and his uh, and his yeah, he never mentioned his book. Look. How many more pictures? My favourite's the one in Speedos. Uh, which, yeah, it, I thought that was a bit of a retouch picture. They've given him hair. That's the most noticeable thing, isn't it? Look, they've given him hair. It's good, isn't it? It's good. But uh, it's called Austerity Was a Big Thing for Me. I don't know what austerity means. I'm so sorry. I'm I'm a poorly educated person. I left school at 15. No no qualifications. Still learning more than the producer. But anyway, that's another story. That's another story. So he must be... I didn't even know he was doing that because normally he actually sort of tells us, doesn't he, in the office when he's got something coming up. A few times, yes. Oh, did I mention Steve? I'm being done by... The, no, you didn't. No. Mind you, I'm in Radio Times. Eddie Mayer's column. He talks about the, the Global Awards. He didn't want to go. He said, he said I, did, I didn't want to go to the Global Awards. He said, then they told me what it was for, he said, and you couldn't hold me back. That's my little bit of glamour this morning. <laughs> it's not as good as getting a four-page... Yes, it is. It's much better than getting a four-page spread, isn't it? I think they should do another thing. Years ago, they, they did a... Um, I think it's on YouTube with Clive Bull. I think it's called Nighttime Caller or something like that. Have you seen that? You've seen it? It's Yeah, the old video. I think they, 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 they should update it. It should be updated now on to sort of it. Oh, it's one of me doing, yes, at this building. Yes, that's up there, is it? Oh, is it? Oh. I thought that had been taken down. The old studios, yeah, that's right. But no, the, 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 there's Clive Bull and then him talking on air to the callers and then going to the caller's house to see what they look like. That was a shock. That was a shock. I tell, yes. Have you never seen it? Oh, you must watch it. I think it's called, somebody will tell me it's called, it's Clive Bull 
nighttime caller. Yes, the, 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 the film crews went to the house. They did a whole documentary on on Clyde Bull through through the night. You should watch it. You'll find it fascinating. And so then they and he used to have Ray and Jan, and they used to play their organ at home. And so people have phoned up and say, "Can you do the theme from Car Wash?" And Ray and Jan would bang out at the car wash kind of thing. Yeah, I tell you, it's all good stuff. I mean, I should imagine a lot of the people aren't alive anymore, but because it was a few years back. But it's it's worth watching. It's it's a good one actually. It's very nice. I thought it was very interesting because it sort of put LBC in a very good light of how addictive nighttime radio is for people. Who was it? Who was I was listening to the other day? Swarbrick. He's taken to shouting at callers, and he had one last night. Quite clearly, was deaf as a post. Because he couldn't hear, and he went, "Will you?" Sh-? And this bloke kept going, and he was so boring. He was so du- even I was thinking, "Oh dear, I don't think I can cope with much more of this." And he was shouting at him, and Tom shouting at him, and then I suddenly realised that th- this has become a regular feature. Ever since I said to the producer, "I quite like hearing an argument on air. I love I love an argument, especially when the person who's calling doesn't really know what they're talking about." And this one last night with Tom didn't have the faintest idea what he was talking about. He just he obviously sat there reading a script. You know, there's been this many things here. And he's obviously just been to the Internet and Googled, you know, make yourself sound interesting. And uh, it was it was very interesting. Very interesting. Tom tries to be all sort of, you know, calm and, you know, just puts it his sort of point. It's good. It's good. You've had a few of these people, haven't you? Quite. Yeah. <laughs> Small wonder we're all ageing. <laughs> yes, exactly. You are. And the trouble is it, it does become an outlet, doesn't it? Because I'm totally convinced that when people phone up a radio station, they used to phone up years ago and say, what is the presenter talking about? And they'd go, oh, he's talking about feed the birds, tuppence a bag or something. Oh, right, I, I can talk on that. We used to have a presenter here. If she didn't get any calls, they had a list of people that they, they would phone up to say she's talking... Oh, okay, whatever. She's... Um, I can't tell you, no. I'll tell... I'll, I'll tell you in a minute. I'll tell you in a minute. But they had a list of callers and they'd go, oh, but c- can you talk about, you know, feeding the birds, tuppence about? Yeah, I, c- I could talk about that. The best of Steve Allen on LBC. Steve, on a, on a customer training, customer service training course, we were shown a video of the training of staff working at Disney, where they were taught how to smile correctly. Also, the actors who work inside the costumes. La, 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 la. Don't say that. Uh, and how they were educated to think of Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck. They had to sign a disclosure. Oh, you see, I mean, I've been backstage at Disney. They call it backstage. And down the main street, there are doors that lead you to the cast places backstage where, and this was the problem they had some years ago, because the heads of the characters were on poles while they had a cup of tea and something like that, because it was quite hot weather out there. And some woman, her son fell ill, went went backstage, and he was traumatised by seeing... The um, the the heads on poles. Perhaps, perhaps children believe things like that, which is quite sweet, actually. Uh, so you and Scottish boy could be working next to each other and you wouldn't have a clue who each other was. Oh, no, you would. Well, they don't have that anymore. That's gone out now. They are they are characters who work there. But it does go as you as you go through the door onto Main Street from the cast area. It's got a big mirror and it's got smile. You're the entertainment, you know, because because they have lots of different to go no further. Lots of different characters. So, in other words, there might be two or three Mickeys. So, when they do the big parade, they've got to get them all off the street. And when we were there, Goofy was having a bit of an issue. He didn't want to go off the street. Get off the, they had to drag him off the street. It was so, so funny. Uh, because the Goofy was coming down on the big parade. And Mickey's, you know, there. And so, you know, they have to do these things. It's so cleverly done. I mean, it really is. It's, you know, they're, they're, they're sort of... But it's all franchised out now. 
all the main street, all the shops are all franchised out. But uh, I've been there. A friend of mine's been to Disney about 15 times. Loves it. Absolutely loves it. It's great, actually. I always recommend people pay, pay extra so you can jump the queues. You do not want to stand in blazing sunshine in a queue. You know, from here, it's three hours. No chance. No chance. Yes, I'm interested to know if you were working in Disney, which character you'd want to be. Which character would suit Scottish Boy best? I think possibly we'd be... Um, well, he's, he's quite tall, so he couldn't be a little character. Tigger. Yeah, yeah, the irritant factor. That, that would go, yeah, with the sort of Tigger. Yeah, Tigger. I'd quite like to be... I don't know which character I'd like to be, actually, because they have so many over there. And they've got... Well, they've just got loads of people. I, don't, I can't think of anything I'd, I'd like to be. Sorry? I'm too tall to be a dwarf, aren't I? They're looking for little people for that. Queen Victoria could have been a dwarf. She was only five foot tall. Strange woman. Didn't believe that lesbians existed at all. Just, strange enough, she obviously had loads of gay men surrounding her. But, and, uh, no, so, yes, I could see you as Tigger. I could see you as Tigger. I just, I don't know what I'd be. I don't know. I'd just be in charge of the whole thing, like a ringmaster. That'd be so exciting. Leading Britain's conversation. The best of Steve Allen on LBC. How was James O'Brien yesterday? Was he good? Did he read his piece in the paper? Did he, did he read his piece? He came in reading it. Oh, God, even better. <laughs> he didn't come in reading it, surely. He must have said, they must have sent it to him. They do automatically with these things. Oh, how funny. He came in reading it. Did he mention it to anybody at the desk? I want to know. I'm evil in that. Uh, in that. Did, did it what? 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 Don't talk about it. Had the no. Oh dear, honestly, that was it. Did he mention it on the show? I didn't hear yesterday. Actually, I was sort of, I was sort of out shopping, looking at watches. <laughs> no, I didn't buy it. I went back to the shop to look at it, and I thought, did you hear about this? The watch yesterday. I saw this watch in a in a jeweller's in Kingston, and I thought, as a 65th birthday present, because I haven't bought myself anything. Uh, I'll treat myself to a new watch. I don't need a watch. It just tells the time, like the phone does and everything else. And I saw this one, which I quite like, which is Raymond Vile, £1,750. And I thought, I'll treat myself to it. So I had it in my mind. Everybody yesterday was going, go buy it, go buy it, go buy it. I went back and had a look at it. I didn't like it a second time. So I didn't buy it. Even my friend Christopher said, go, because he was having his birthday the other day. He said, go, go buy it. And I looked at it and I went, £1,750. quid. It doesn't matter whichever way you look at it. I was brought up that that's a lot of money. Uh, really? You think so? I get points on the card. It was, I mean, it was nice, but it just wasn't 1,700. And it tells the time. And I studied it for every angle. I thought, does it look, oh, is it big? And Does he not have the money to buy that? Oh, right. Oh, right. Oh, oh, oh. You're not going, to... oh, I give you the money. Well, that's very mean of you, isn't it? I can't believe it. Why, why not? Could it not be a, a sort of a birthday and Christmas present combined? So I didn't buy the watch and, and I went home and I thought, do you regret it? I thought, no, I don't actually. I, do, I don't actually regret it. And uh, I haven't told the bank. I didn't tell the bank that I, was, I, I might be buying a watch because you need to tell people so they're aware. And go, Have you just spent 1,750 quid? <laughs> so, so I didn't buy it. I might buy something else. I don't know. Might buy another bottle of, of Creed Aventus. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Uh, Jeanette says you, you should buy yourself the watch. You don't need to justify it. You deserve it. Do you know, I'd, I'd, 
I'm, you're probably right. I might deserve it because normally if you hit a big birthday and I thought 65 was quite a big birthday. And um, and I, I sort of thought, oh, I'll buy. I never thought about it before until the other day. And I thought I'll treat myself to a present. In, in previous years, I've sort of I've sort of changed the car or something like that. But I didn't fancy changing the car because I quite like this one. And I thought I'll treat myself to a watch. And then the more I thought about it, the more I talked myself into you've actually got a watch, Steve. In fact, you've got quite a few watches. Why do you want another one? You know, 1,750 quid. All right. Very nice. But a bit up the swanny, isn't it? So I, I didn't um, I didn't I didn't buy it. Perhaps I should have done. But I, I, I went instead to have breakfast at the mental centre. And I go in there, the shop, I didn't know that. Do you know what time shops open now? 9.30. Well, practically the afternoon for me. So I get there, park the car at John Lewis, walk across, you know, have a look at the watch, decide maybe 1,750 quid. I could probably buy some nice shirts for 1,750 quid. So I go to get breakfast upstairs. The mental centre have got one of these, you know, move your tray along here, six items for breakfast, £5.40, whatever it is. So I, did, I was the only one in there. And so uh, she comes out. No, nobody's on the, the counter where, where the food is. So, of course, I make my presence known. I bang the tray down. And so somebody eventually looks up and goes, oh, yeah, can I help you? I felt like saying, oh, sorry, do you sell paint? You know, I'm standing in front of sort of bacon and all the rest of it. So I said, I'll have two sausages, two bacon, hash brown and baked beans. And it comes with a free slice of toast. So uh, so I slide the thing round. And so she go and I go on oh, have an Earl Grey tea. So I go to get the knife and fork from the knife and fork place. I haven't paid for it, bear in mind. And so she goes, tea? I went, yes, I'll have Earl Grey, thank you. And she's got a bit of attitude. So there's no forks. There's trays, trays full of, of, of knives. And I said, there's no forks. And so she went, oh, we've only just opened. I said, I, said, I don't want to be rude. I said, but you should be ready to serve food when you open. That's the whole idea. It's 9.30 in the morning. We're practically into lunchtime and sandwiches. So anyway, she goes, well, we, we weren't. And so I thought, OK, fair enough. So then, then she mutters something. She throws a napkin down on my tray. So I say to her, you can drop the attitude now. So immediately she goes, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, I'll give you your tea comp complimentary. I thought, there's only me up there. You know, so God help you if you go to the Bentall Centre today and you're early because they won't be ready. Or today they probably will be after this. Dreadful service. Honestly, you don't expect that, do you? I'm so anyway, she gave me the tea for free and it cost me a fiver. You know, for whatever. Uh, so that was that. And then I went back and had another look at the watch. Still couldn't justify it. <laughs> Still couldn't justify it. Uh, Steve, for 1,700 quid, I'll tell you the time each day for the next year, says James. Listen, I've got a team of people here who could quite happily phone me up and go, Steve. It's a deep sleep you're in. A deep sleep. And I go, how do you know it's a deep sleep? I've got a watch that tells me. My watch tells me if it's a deep sleep, a light sleep, or if I'm going to be kicked in the back. You know, kicked out of bed. This is the best of Steve Allen on LBC. Scottish boy just told me he's flexitarian. Have you ever heard of such a thing? I'd never heard of it. Flexitarian means that you're sort of vegan, but if you go to somebody else's house and they're serving pot roast and you've got sort of beef wellington, he is prepared to eat that because he doesn't want to offend them. So it's it's like semi-vegetarianism. So it's sort of vegetarianism with the occasional inclusion of meat. So there it is. It's a semi-vegetarian or flexitarian. Everybody's got a name now, haven't they, for what they do, which means he just eats everything. So vegetarian is the practice of abstaining from consuming meat, 
But with the term flexitarian thrown in, and he's probably got it printed on a card, so if somebody says, oh, by the way, what are you? He goes, uh, have one of my cards. I'm flexitarian. So, in other words, if you came around to my place, unlikely, unlikely, you know, and I said, OK, today we're having a, a roast chicken. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll eat that. But I, I thought you were into vegetarian or pescatarian. Because a pescatarian is somebody who eats, because he calls himself pescatarian, who eats fish and other seafood, but not poultry or meat. Well, quite clearly he does, because he's flexitarian. In other words, it's called, I'm just sort of adaptive to just about anything. It, it would be a, a lot easier if he, he went on to macrobiotic, which is plant-based, and may include occasional fish or other seafood. But of course, if, if he goes to somebody else's house, he's going to eat meat. So if I, if I do, you know, beef wellington, one of my specialities, uh, he's going to be going, I'll have some of that, Steve. Or, you know, here we are at McDonald's. I don't want to appear rude, so I will, I will eat your food. And you go, well, you're not vegetarian then, are you? Uh, I am. It's just that I'm, I'm flexible. Well, what's the po- I mean, I don't quite understand what you become vegetarian for. Either you're into the, into the thing. I mean, people who go, I'm flexitarian, you know, are just dreary. It's a case of you just can't make up your mind, so you'll appeal to everybody. You know, I'll, I'll do that, I'll eat that, doesn't make any difference. You know, I, in fact, really, I don't hang on to my beliefs. Uh, Steve, my four-year-old granddaughter, Nina, calls my husband a cheatarian because he occasionally eats fish. A cheatarian. Oh, cheatarian. That's another silly word, isn't it? I mean, it's just, what's the point of, you know, oh, so I eat them? Because you'll eat anything in the office, I've noticed. You've eaten sandwiches before, haven't you? Is that, was that the flexible part of the day? Don't look at me like that. You're trying to justify it yourself. You know, what's that you're eating? Oh, melon to, pr- oh, right, because you're really veggie, aren't you? And fruit. You eat fruit, you eat fruit though, don't you? Fruit, fruit's good for you. Fruit's very good. It hasn't got meat in it. <laughs> it will have by tomorrow. I'll put meat in the in the in in the fruit. I just or I'll pass meat over the top of it. So when you see the red of the strawberry, it'll be the meat juices. I don't believe you. I don't understand how you can go to somebody's place for dinner and be and go. I'm flexitarian. So all of a sudden you're eating meat, but presumably you're eating. You're not eating meat because of a a, a belief in that meat is murder, or you don't like the taste of it. I mean, why why are you not eating meat? Is there some Reason? Oh, right, the meat's bad for the environment. Okay. Are you the only one in your family who's flexitarian? Is your mother flexitarian? Is your sister... Oh, she's flexitarian. Your sister's... You're all flexitarian. There you go, you see. Must be a Scottish thing. I've never heard of it. Never heard of it before in my life. Uh, Steve, all these people who change to vegetarians, vegans, they can't hack it, so they change and chop. To them, it's just a phase or a fashion. No, I had a, I told you I had a friend of mine. He wouldn't even go to McDonald's and buy me a burger. He didn't want to handle meat or anything like that. <laughs> uh, why not just be a regular guy that doesn't eat meat? Why label it? They love labels. He's got a badge. I'm flexitarian. He loves it. He's had it made up in letter set and all the rest of it. He's, oh, seriously. In between being flexitarian and wearing... What do they call them? Turtlenecks. As I say, he does look like a throwback from the 70s, a man who's going to dive off a cliff. Uh, dive off a, a cliff to um, to sort of go and deliver a box of chocolates. Somebody says, the point of being flexitarian is to minimise your meat eating. No, it's not. 
He's doing it to please people he's having dinner with. Don't make excuses for him. Your normal diet is plant based. He's not always been like this. He didn't come out the womb eating that. He's been eating meat. He's enjoyed the old burgers and everything else. That's what he does. You're making a conscious. You don't know him. I know him. You don't know him. So there you go. So don't don't try and judge somebody when you know nothing about it. So nothing to do with minimising. If he went out for dinner every night of the week and they were serving beef Wellington, he'd be eating beef Wellington every night of the week. In fact, Alex, we might try it as an experiment. I'll take him out to Joe Allen's. Okay. Oh look, there's only meat on the menu. That's what it is, and he'll enjoy it. The best of Steve Allen on LBC. Four in ten of you. Four in ten of you. I'm saying. I'm saying of you. I'm generalising here. Uh, admit spying on their partner's phone. Have you ever done that? Have you ever picked up somebody's phone and gone, I wonder who this is? You might find a phone on the desk and then it's unlocked. Do you go further? Do you look at their photos? Oh, do you? You don't. Tell me you don't. Would you really? I'm glad, I'm glad my phone's locked. You send messages from their phone. <gasps> that is outrageous. You're not allowed to do that. What sort of messages do you send? Love you. Love you. Mean it. Really? Is that... I'm so glad my phone's locked. <laughs> I've never done that. I go straight to photos. <laughs> That's always very entertaining. Very entertaining. <laughs> Josh Coops banned me from anywhere near his phone, so... Uh, <laughs> as we can all well imagine. The best of Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. I've still got time to squeeze in a little more of my favourite bits from this week's shows. Let's start here. Britain's Got Talent, again, scouring the world to find people on other uh, other countries. So they've got a bloke from India's Got Talent, uh, and he's on it. He thinks about 13, he does sort of like an act. And you think, I'm sorry, I thought this was Britain's Got Talent. And the answer is, they don't have anybody else. They don't have anybody else. They have to sort of top it up with people from East European circuses. So they bring them over and you go, oh, that's great. Were they brought up in a council estate? No, no, they're working in circus. They're doing that. They, they, they do acrobatics. They've got people... You don't think people keep, you know, set of dumbbells and bars to swing along in home. No, they're from circuses. So they try and they go, would you like to appear on this? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we've just seen a good puppet show. Never in this country. It's always abroad. And they bring them on. They go, well, they're really good. Uh, will Britain's Got Talent survive Brexit? Mm, interesting, actually. I don't know. They certainly won't better use all the... East European circus lot. I don't think you'd better have them wandering into the country like that because that's all they do now. When you actually go through it, you'll, you'll have Britain's Got Talent, which is sort of like the X Factor, only they've got novelty acts. So you'll have somebody coming on singing and you think, I'm sorry, you should be on the X Factor. This is not, you know, Britain's Got Talent. You come on and you've got some 13-year-old kid who sings a song. Oh, that's brilliant, isn't it? Riveting. And then you get sort of people on. And it's always singles. They never, they never put a group on. You know, she loves you. Yeah, I've never seen that. Why did they put tribute acts on there? That'd be so much more entertaining than some of the crap that they're putting on the television at the moment. I'm inclined to, to agree with, uh, with Prue Leith when she said, too many cookery programmes. Every time I turn on, there's another blooming cookery programme. And I'm just, I'm really, I'm fed up with it. I don't care anymore. I couldn't care less whether these people can make soup or they could sort of go with a little squirt of something. They were doing something the other day, Meals for 80. I thought you just mean just get caterers in or do KFC and get them to deliver, you know, 50 party barrels and just put it on plates with a bit of squirty mayonnaise on the side and pretend you made the stuff. And they'll go, oh, it tastes just like KFC. And they go, of course it does. It is KFC. Why would you bother cooking? And they, and they do this thing and then they put a little bit of lamb 
on there, which had to be a little bit pink in the middle. And then there was a bit of salmon on one of the other ones for those people who didn't like the lamb. Uh, Mo says, what a hypocrite Prue Leith is. Can we assume she'll stand out from her baking show? She's only got one. She's only got one. Uh, you've seen shameful Gemma Collins necking half a pint of brandy on Celebrity Juice. Such a crap programme, isn't it? Oh, I'm sorry, that's twice I've used that word and I don't like it. But it's, I'm, I can't think of anything that sort of defines Celebrity Juice apart from the biggest pile of doggy doos on the television you've ever seen. You know, so they put Gemma Collins on there with the naff boyfriend and they get her to drink half a pint of brandy. I'm <laughs> no surprise there. This is the best of Steve Allen on LBC. Do you and the crew on LBC ever play tricks on each other on April the 1st? Yeah, I turned up. <laughs> That's the trick. They were hoping, hoping I wouldn't, you know, having stuck pins in the doll over the weekend, but it didn't work. No, we don't play tricks. No, we're adults. We're working. What sort of tricks would you play on somebody? Jeremy Beadle did did the he used to do them years ago. He would he would do all sorts of tricks. He would actually have uh, people because he was very successful on LBC. Very in fact, he was one of the first programs I ever listened to on LBC. As I was lying in bed, I flicked through the dial, and there was this man who just sounded so approachable, but mad, completely mad. So he would have somebody you know like here. You line up all the calls. He would pretend to be a caller, and he'd he'd say to somebody, he'd "Go, oh, are you in the queue as well?" And they go, yeah, I think so. And he'd go, I'm in the queue too. Have you spoken to him before? He'd have this long conversation, you know, about doing it. And then he'd sort of, he'd, he'd get people to say, you need a bucket. You need, I can't hear you. Get a bucket, stand in the bucket and talk to me. But one of his best ones was, uh, was the tube train, where he claimed that if you followed him through London, you could eventually find out where he was. And so they had a tape loop of a tube train with the doors opening and all the noises of tube trains. And it was just a tape loop on the machine and it just went on and on and on for ages. And he said, right, we're now coming. What, what's the station? Oh, the doors are closing. The doors are closing. And the doors are closing. And off it went. And then uh, it, was, it was really clever. Really, really clever. I'm surprised nobody's ever uh, copied it. And then eventually it clogged up Gough Square with all these blooming cars who were following. They thought they knew where he was. Of course, he'd been in Gough Square all the time. The great tube train uh, prank that he played on. But he was very good at doing things like that. Very clever. Very clever man. And uh, I remember the first night I worked with him and I came in and the studio looked a bit similar to our studio downstairs. We had two studios at LBC and then a row of booths at the back on, on a corridor. And people would come in and watch the show going out. So you'd go into the, and I was a newsreader. And so I walked into the studio in the control room. There were six people who were watching him in the studio. There was 20 people sitting on the floor watching him doing his programme and people out in the corridor, people upstairs in it was, and I had to sit there and he'd go, now Steve Allen's going to read the news. And they all turned to look at me. And it was really, I wonder if a recording of that ever existed. Probably must have done somewhere. But uh, you couldn't stop my voice quavering because it was nerve wracking. I mean, you know, I was a new newsreader, new newsreader. The best of Steve Allen on LBC. Did you see those people who took all their clothes off in the House of Commons the other day? Why is it always the ugly ones? Why can't it be anybody decent looking? It's always the ones you go, oh, please cover it up. Oh, dear Lord above. I sat there and I, I thought, it, it's, it's, not, it's like, if ever you, there used to be a magazine years ago. Boys, schoolboys remember this one called Health and Efficiency. It was basically an opportunity to see women with big jugs jumping around playing tennis in the middle of the Kent countryside. And, um, and there'd be all these sort of pictures. And it was always the attractive people because they were always ferried in. They were all these models because when you actually go to a nudist place, the majority of people just want to take their clothes off. And so when I looked at the pictures of them in the House of Commons and they've daubed their bodies 
And I was sort of, you know, it's, I mean, as David Lammy says, I don't know what the fuss is about. These aren't the first arses I've seen exposed in the House of Commons. <laughs> it's true. That, and they said, but also, where's the security? What, they were able to walk in and stand there. I mean, this is the public gallery, isn't it, where they were. Don't they check? They got super glue in. Really? What were they doing with super glue? They glued themselves to the window. Well, as I say, couldn't care less. At least it keeps the ugly ones off the streets. That's the best. And there's, look, oh, there's a bloke with Bam Bam. He's got his little hair tied up in a knot. He didn't bother taking his clothes off. Uh, and then there's women and there's a man wearing an oversized jock strap, looking a bit sad. I mean, what, is the, who, what, what were they protesting about? Saggy climate change. What, in the House of Commons? What's that got to do with them? Well, look, Parliament talk about climate change. Hello, we are here to talk about climate change. Oh, for goodness sake, honestly. Why is it people who look like that? And so taking your clothes off helps, does it? No, people just laugh. People just laugh at them. Some of the MPs, well, I can't look at that. Dreadful. But <laughs> I looked at it and I just thought, saddos. And some of them are looking, yeah, the MPs are looking. Because like, oh. they're right in front of them, but they were, all they were, the girls were topless. Well, you can see that in any swimming pool in the country. That's nothing particularly clever. And the boys were wearing jock straps. You know, again, so they weren't even naked. Pathetic, honestly. Very sad. Uh, Steve, I wonder what glue the protesters used when they glued their bottoms to the glass. Well, you can get glass glue. <laughs> this is the best of Steve Allen on LBC. You know, the Brits are number one for sex, drugs and drinking at the same time. Apparently at the same time. That's what they've said. Well, to be honest, you can't, can you? I mean, certainly you couldn't light the spliff and you'd spill the drink. I mean, surely that makes sense. I mean, it's just not going to work, is it? Apparently no other nation does it. 64.1% combine alcohol with sex. Well, it's the only reason many people get sex. If you're on Love Island, you're not going to get it when you're sober, are you? You're only going to get it when, when you've had a few drinks. That's the whole idea. They give people alcohol. That was like on Big Brother. Thank God that's not coming back. And, um, and But the only time they actually gave people alcohol is where they all got interested. Apart from that, when you're stone cold sober, you don't want to, you don't want to look at people. Why would you be interested? Have a few bevvies and admit everybody looks attractive. Seriously. Uh, some people combine cocaine with sex. In the UK, 12.7%... Well, who are they? 12.7% of people combine cocaine with sex. In America, it's only 7.4%. But uh, combining alcohol... I mean, that's, that's quite normal. You want, you want to come home with me? Sorry? You want to come home with me? What's your name? Steve. Where do you live? I don't know. Oh. Are we going out? Yeah, you're going to be my girlfriend. OK, should we, should we go home? Do you have a little blue pill? Because it looks likely we're going to need it. And, so, and that's how it's happened. You don't do it sober. You go into a club. How many people walk into a club, go, you're the one out now? I'm waving the car keys. You don't. You sit there think something better will come along, but that'll be the standby. That's how it works. It's that's why I don't go to clubs. I'm sick to death of being the standby. All the blooming time. It's just not right, is it? It's not right. It's not my fault. Uh, Steve, I went to a bar once, and this guy, who I thought was, uh, you know, well worth hooking up with, says, hold on a sec. If this other guy doesn't work out, I'll come back for you. Oh, my God, the shame, says Paul. I know. There's nothing worse. Nothing worse. Actually, the, the line almost comes from Torch Song Trilogy, where Harvey Feierstein goes into a bar, sees somebody there, and then he goes into a, a room, apparently, at the back, or something like that, comes out, and the other guy looks at him as if to go, pfft, tramp. 
And Harvey says, at least I didn't have to cook him breakfast. <laughs> and it's a bit like that, isn't it? If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Sunday from 5am 